Father, may the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, greetings on this evening. All Saints, the Feast of All Saints. Uh, Boy, what a wonderful turnout of the saints here to keep this feast. Beloved, I want to preach a bit on heaven uh, this evening. But before I do, um, I want to begin with the communion of saints and the doctrine therein. But before I do that, let me read to you a passage from the Gospels. You may remember that Jesus confronted the Sadducees with the fundamental truth about who God is. The Sadducees denied the resurrection. They denied that there's a life to come. Jesus said to them, And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. Amen? Amen. Amen. The text says, and when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Beloved, the God that we worship is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Well, All Saints Day, today, we remember the communion of saints, both here, living now, this is each of you that have known our Lord and know him by faith and by baptism. You are called a saint. The Bible says that you are a saint. Yes, still a sinner, but a saint. Luke records in Acts 9, he says this, And it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, he also came down to the saints who dwelled in Leda. In Acts 26, I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints. I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Of course, Paul referring to the saints that he had imprisoned. Paul goes on to write in Romans, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, you heard it read twice from our letter to the Ephesians. Paul refers to them as saints. But what does it mean to be a saint? You and I are not perfect. We're sinners. We're pilgrims along the way. A mix of having been redeemed and still living lives of sin. What it means to be a saint is to be set apart. To be known by God. To be set apart for His glory. In His purposes in this world. So beloved, we are the saints here on earth. But there is also a communion of saints that are alive even now, that have died to this life, that are awaiting the hope of resurrection. In a little bit, we're going to pray, and Richard Rapp, our subdeacon, is going to read names that you have submitted, names of your beloved loved ones and friends that have died in Christ, that have died to this life, but that are alive even now, the communion of saints that have gone before us. And beloved, there's a diversity of those saints. And not all of them were quote-unquote superheroes of the faith. I'm thinking of my um, saintly great-grandfather, 
Charles Thompson, whose name will be read, a saint who lived a fairly quiet life, but exude the love of Jesus Christ in his life to his family, to his children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Also of Mother Teresa, of St. Paul, of Moses, of Billy Graham, of Amy Henley and Richard McGuire and Levi Novotny and Pinky Scherf. Saints, all of them, set apart by God. Saints that are alive on earth that have died in Christ awaiting the hope of resurrection. One of the most difficult times in my life, and I know the life of my wife, was um, after Samuel was delivered, our child that was born, um, uh, born dead two months ago. We had to leave him. We had to leave his body um, at the hospital. The nurse, I remember coming to us, and she said, you take your time, but when you're ready to leave, let us know. I remember it was the hardest thing in my life, leaving him there at that hospital and going home. I remember Jennifer and I reminding ourselves Samuel's body was there, but he was not present there anymore. He was asleep. He was waiting for the resurrection, waiting for me and for my wife and for each of you, waiting I remember years ago after doing a funeral for one of our beloved saints in this parish and one of the family members came up to me and said that they just felt like laying down on the grave of their loved one. Laying down on the grave. I didn't quite know what that meant. Until after we lost Samuel, I remember driving, um, waking up early, leaving my parents' house, coming back to Birmingham and we stopped by the cemetery and we, um, we sat there and we cried and we prayed and then we left. And I remember what that parishioner meant, that they wanted to be near to their loved one. They wanted to be close to them. And beloved, I want to say that that is a good longing. It's a right longing. It's a longing that points us finally to the resurrection of the dead. It's a longing to be with our family, with our friends, with those who have died in Christ and are alive now. They are waiting on us and we're ready to be reunited with them. It's a normal longing. And in that longing, beloved, the cemetery for Christians becomes a place not of mourning fully, but a place finally of hope because of the resurrection. That we can think about our beloved family members, the saints of old, know that we, knowing that we will see them again. For you see, beloved, the question of what happens to us after we die, the Bible gives us some clue into that. It doesn't give us every definitive um, experience that we will have. We don't know exactly what it's going to be like. But the Scriptures say that when we die to this life, whether it just in a moment in time our life is taken from us or we close our eyes in peace and old age, we can know two things. The first is that we will not be alone in death. Christ will be with us. And the second is that when we are with him, we will be in peace. What do the scriptures say? The scriptures say, as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, when we die, we are asleep awaiting the resurrection. To live is Christ, Paul writes in Philippians, but to die is gain. That is, to be, to be um, one that passes through death is to be present with Jesus himself. 
in some mystical form or fashion. Paul goes on to say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Beloved, when we die, we move into a holy presence with God himself, resting, waiting, waiting for the resurrection of the dead. In St. John's vision in Revelation, we're told that every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be there, will be present in the end of all things, worshiping the Lamb, worshiping our God. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, John sees in this vision. That, beloved, we will be there finally with the bodily resurrection of the dead, with the communion of saints, worshiping our beloved Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. My dear brothers and sisters, though, I I want to, to sit for a moment on this fact that those who have died in Christ, they are waiting. They're waiting in the presence of God. They're waiting for us. They're waiting for the redemption of the world, for the resurrection of all of our bodies. Do you remember Jesus in the upper room when he was celebrating that last Passover meal with his disciples? When he himself would be finally the the last Passover sacrifice for the world? Do you remember when he took the bread and he broke it and he took the wine and he gave the cup to his disciples and he said to them something mysterious? He says, I will not drink of this cup until I drink it with you in the kingdom to come. You see, our Lord even now is interceding for you and for me, for the living communion of saints, awaiting, awaiting the final redemption, praying for us, waiting until he will partake in that cup again, in that rejoicing with that great marriage supper of the Lamb that is to come, where you and I and all the communion of saints will be be brought into heaven and will be worshiping the triune God forever. When my children ask me, they say, all of them have asked this except for Joseph, and he'll get there one day. They say, Daddy, where is heaven? Is heaven up? Is it in the sky? I say, no, it's, it's not up. Because if you go up, you'll get into the stratosphere and you go beyond that, you'll be in outer space and you keep going and you'll just keep going forever. No, space is that, uh, heaven is that other dimension. That other dimension where God lives. Where our loved ones are resting and awaiting the resurrection. It's that space where you and I go as believers. Where we will be worshiping the Lamb forever and forever. Beloved, the saints are waiting for us. Jesus Christ is waiting for us. We have nothing to fear in death. For we have been given, as Paul says in Ephesians, an inheritance that is signed and sealed and delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. A salvation that imparts to you and me a resurrection in the end of all things. In Revelation 22, we see that there's a return to Eden, a return to paradise the place where we're all going. Hear these words from Revelation 22. John writes, And the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river 
was the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit in each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, for they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and will reign forever and ever. Beloved, this is the future of the communion of saints, where we will be in perfect communion in love with our triune God and with one another, in perfect peace, all because of the salvation granted to us through Jesus Christ's cross and resurrection. We often forget, I think, as we go through our liturgy Sunday after Sunday, that our liturgy ushers us into worship with the communion of saints, with all angels and archangels, with that other dimension where God lives, that thin veil, as Lewis, C.S. Lewis talks about, that separates us from God. When we worship, we're able to penetrate that veil for just a moment. When we receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, It's a foretaste of the marriage supper of the Lamb to come. Where, beloved, some of you, some of my precious dear children in this congregation who've lost fathers, who've lost mothers, grandmothers, for all of us, when we receive the sacrament, it is pointing us to the great marriage supper of the Lamb where we will feast with our relatives, with all the communion of saints in perfect love and harmony. And it won't be a bunch of clouds and a bunch of wings. It's going to be a sanctified creation. One that is coming down from the heavens, it says in Revelations. A new heaven and a new earth. I tell um, parishioners here and my children, when they ask, what is it going to be like? Beloved, I think that new creation is going to be like this creation. Mountains and streams and rivers, the beauty of God, the perfect communion with one another, perfect harmony with one another, where there is nothing but blessedness as we live. And this brings me to my final point in closing, beloved. It's that blessedness that is to come in that new heaven and the new earth that I think points us to living the Beatitudes here and now. Let me close with this. I want to challenge you as you hear the Beatitudes of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount to not just hear them as commands um, for those that want to follow Jesus on how to do so. Yes, they are that for sure. But I want to see, I want you all to see the link to the heavenly blessedness that is to come from these Beatitudes. And Jesus taught them and he said this, blessed are the poor in spirit those who are poor in spirit in this life, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven to come. Blessed are those of you who mourn in this life, for they shall be comforted. You remember the new creation, the healing of the nations. The healing of the nations will be found. No more mourning in that land to come. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness in this life. For I want to say that in the life to come, we will see 
the full satisfaction of it all. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, not just now, but in the life to come, beloved. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In the new heaven and the earth, we will behold him face to face. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted now for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven to come. Our Lord ends all of that to say, Rejoice and be glad, beloved, for your reward is great in heaven. As we remember the communion of saints here on earth now and those that have gone before us, let us remember that heaven is a reality that is coming for all of us. That even in our death, as we rest in peace, awaiting the resurrection, we look towards that perfected state to come. And I pray, beloved, that you will think on those things this week and this evening. That as we break bread with one another downstairs and the potluck to come, that you will feel liberty to talk about your loved ones who have gone on. And to talk about how they have pointed you to the hope of resurrection found in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me end now with a word from St. Peter in his second epistle. He says this, and may this be our prayer. But according to his promise, we are waiting, waiting for the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness dwells forever and ever. Amen.